We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Top Dogs Podcast here on the Field 68 Media Network. Got a lot to talk about today. I'm going to keep this one relatively brief uh, because we have two massive games this week that UConn is playing, and I want to be able to give you a little bit of a reaction to the Wednesday visit from Creighton and the Saturday trip to Philadelphia to take on uh, Villanova. We'll talk about a preview for that Um here, we're going to talk about both of those games, give you a little overview of what the Big East looks like right now, maybe a little bit of a, a reset, if you will. And I want to talk about Tristan Newton's struggles, and, and obviously we have to discuss the status of the big fellow, the Great Wall of Br- Bristol, Kling Kong himself, Donovan Kling, and he warmed up earlier this week. It looks like he is getting close to coming back. But before we do any of that, UConn is back to being the number one team in all of college basketball, the top dogs, if you will. And uh, it's something that I think a lot of us expected after seeing uh, the Huskies win five in a row and uh, knock off Xavier and Butler on the road in a week where, and Georgetown at home, I guess, in a week where number one, number two, number three, number five, number seven, number six, uh, everybody else in college basketball found a way to lose on the road this week. And the one thing that, uh, we do know is that when these polls come out, when the AP polls come out, uh, if you lose, you drop in the rankings, even if you are still a better team, even if your loss is, for example, in Kentucky's case, on the road in overtime against the team that was the SEC preseason favorite to win the conference. So uh, it's the fickle beast that is the AP poll. I don't love the AP poll. I don't know if it's necessarily the best poll in the world, but UConn is number one in it. Uh, I would probably have them number one in the country right now. And uh you know, it's nice to be back at the top, right? It's nice to sit here as the reigning national champions and be ranked number one in the country. It's the first time, there's a couple of facts for you that are actually kind of wild and mind-blowing if you think about it. It's the first time since 2009 that UConn has been the number one team in the AP poll. Since the last time they were the number one team in the AP poll, UConn has won the 2011 national title, the 2014 national title, and the 2023 national title. Three of their five national titles have come since the last time that they were ranked number one. And if you do the math, that means that last season, 
when UConn was the best team in college basketball, when they rolled through the NCAA tournament, when they dominated everybody in non-conference play, they never actually climbed to number one in the AP poll. A lot of that had to do with Butler, I'm sorry, with uh, Purdue and the start that those guys had to the season last year. They were incredible. They still are incredible. Um, And I made this point last night on After Dark. I think right now, if you were to pick who would be the number one overall seed if the NCAA tournament started today, I think it's probably Purdue. Um, And I don't think there's much of an argument for UConn in that case, simply because the schedule that Purdue has put together and the wins that they have are better than the wins that UConn has put together and the wins that UConn has. Um, We got to call it like it is, right? They have not necessarily played the toughest part of their Biggie schedule yet. We I've talked at length about how difficult the last six games of the season are for UConn. This is how UConn closes their season, if you have not been paying attention. Marquette at home, at Creighton, Villanova at home, Seton Hall at home, at Marquette, at Providence. That's brutal. Here are UConn's next six games. Creighton at home, at Villanova, Xavier at home, Providence at home, at St. John's, Butler at home. All right? That's a brutal six-game stretch as well. And it's not like at Seton Hall, St. John's at home, DePaul at home, at Butler, at Xavier, Georgetown at home is necessarily the easiest schedule in the world. But I would say if you were looking at six-game stretches, that's probably the most favorable six-game stretch that you're going to find in UConn's schedule. So it wasn't a bad time to have Donovan clinging out, and it wasn't a bad time for them to be able to find a way to try and get right. And if you look at the wins that, the, that, that Purdue has, what they did in the Maui, what they did against Arizona, they just – frankly have better wins so if we're talking about who should be the number one team if a bracket was released today it probably would be purdue uh, but i would make the argument and i'm going to make the argument right now that i think that uconn should be right now the betting favorite to win the national title for a number of different reasons not the least of which is the fact that they're sitting here at 15 and 2 right now they're sitting here at 501 tied for first place in the big east uh, they're sitting here top 10 in all of the metrics despite the fact that They have yet to really find a way to be able to play with a healthy and firing Stefan Castle and a healthy and firing Donovan Klingon at the same time. Those are the two most talented players on the roster. Those are the two guys with the most NBA pedigree, uh, and they are two of the five best players on this team. Uh, And look, I don't need to rehash everything about the defense, but getting Donovan Klingon back in healthy changes everything for this team on that end of the floor. Uh, If you want to update on that, since the Seton Hall loss, UConn ranks 117th nationally in adjusted uh, adjusted defensive efficiency, according to Torvik. They are still third nationally in adjusted offensive efficiency, despite all the struggles that they've had and despite not having uh, the big fellow, the great wall of Bristol, Kling Kong himself. So got to get Donovan Kling back, and we might as well get into that now. There sounds like there's a chance that he could end up playing Wednesday. Um, I have not heard anything definitive Either way, from from anybody close to the program, uh, I think everybody has heard what Hurley has said in terms of, um, you know, some of the teasing. Eh, it looks like he might be a game time decision. It might be on Kling Tong watch. It might be this. Might be that. He obviously went through warm ups before the Georgetown game, um, and Wednesday's date with Creighton at home is exactly four weeks from when he hurt his foot against uh, Seton Hall. Um, Apparently, he doesn't really have any pain right now. Uh, that's what uh, the, the the official line is from UConn. So um, I don't think I would necessarily be surprised to see him play. We will see what that will look like in terms of minutes, what that will look like in terms of endurance, what that will look like in terms of how good of shape he's in. But uh, I think the goal probably all, or always was, and, and we talked about this when the injury happened, 
get through the Georgetown game at home um, to uh, to basically get them to the point where they hit this toughest part of their schedule at five and one, and it worked out. And now you're going to get clinging back. So that's a big thing here, um, and it should. It should, I mean, look, it should really help, and it's going to make a difference against Ryan Kalkbrenner, who is one of the best defenders in this conference and who uh, has kind of been the bugaboo for um, for UConn this year, right? Him and Creighton, it, it, since, well, not just this year, since uh, since they joined the Big East, UConn has one win in seven tries against Creighton. Ryan Kalkbrenner has been there for all of those seven matchups. Um, obviously they beat him at home last season, 69 to, uh, to 60. And the loss came at Creighton by three in the game where Jordan Hawkins had a fantastic look at a three to force overtime with two point seconds left that, uh, that went in and out. So, um, what I would assume Creighton is going to do here is try to switch everything to try to, uh, be able to let Kalkbrenner go one-on-one against Klingon to try to be able to take you kind of out of their sets and dare their guys to go one-on-one. I'd be very surprised if Trey Alexander was not on Tristan Newton in this matchup because of how important Tristan Newton is. Um, but we'll get to all that in a second. The first thing I want to hit on before we do any of that is I've seen some, uh, consternation and some questions about Tristan Newton over the course of the last five or six games. Um, since the Seton Hall loss, uh, Tristan is shooting 25% from the floor. He's 14 for 56 from the field. That's 25%. And he's five for 29 from three. That is a cool 17%. Uh, His scoring numbers really are not like all that bad. He had 16 against Seton Hall. He had 15 against St. John's. He had 17 at Butler. He had 16 and 11 assists at Xavier. Um, but it's been the efficiency of how well he's scoring. And uh, I've seen people concerned about that. I think it's twofold what's happening here. One is that when you lose a presence like Donovan Klingon that can take away so much of the attention that uh, that gets brought when you come off of these ball screens, right, then you you kind of force Tristan to have to play in the most advantageous position for a point guard without having the, the most uh, impactful outlet and the guy that can change the defense the most. Like, look, having Cam Spencer as a shooter in one corner and Alex Caravan on one wing and having these guys that can space the floor and give you room to create is really important. But so is having that rim protector that will that that not that rim protector that rim runner that lob target that is going to make whatever big man is in drop coverage have to make a decision right when you have Samson Johnson back there as good as he is and as impressive as he's been in his limited minutes um, I do think that it's very different when you have to account for where Donovan Klingon is on the floor because Klingon is just frankly better as a rim runner and a roller and as a five man so. I think that's part of the issue. I think the other part of the issue is that with this small ball lineup, we are seeing defenses switch everything more, which puts more of an emphasis on UConn having to try to um, try to run uh, isolations, right? When you switch everything, you basically, the, the whole point of it is we're going to take you out of your actions and we're going to dare you to try to beat us one-on-one in a mismatch. You switch into cross matches you get to the point where you have a five man guarding a point guard or a four man guarding a two and you just kind of say we trust our guys to be able to get stops in that situation uh, we trust them to win that individual matchup and right now Tristan is not always winning those matchups um I think part of it is he's just in a little bit of a funk I think part of it is that it doesn't he doesn't have a chance for things to get made easier for him with that outlet to cling in and 
It's a Big East play. It is what it is. Teams know what he's going to do and how he's going to do it and what he wants to try. Uh, and I think that he's having a little bit of a tough time adjusting to that. I'm not worried about it at all. Um, this is a dude that has uh, three triple doubles in his career um, at UConn. This is a guy who uh, just last week at Xavier had 16 points, 11 assists, and six rebounds, had a couple of really big threes. Um, and I'm not... I'm not concerned about it. I think that eventually those shots are going to start going down. Do I think he's going to go six for nine from three and hit the ridiculous step backs that he was hitting against Kansas every single night? No, that is not the way that you want to try to live your life as a basketball team in his basketball program. He made some ridiculous shots and there's going to be nights where those goes that uh, those go down. But I also don't think the, like the one for eight at Butler or the one for six at Seton Hall are necessarily going to be the norm either. Um, it's just kind of the ebb and flow of a college basketball season. He's going to find a way to get back into that role. And I would not be surprised if tonight uh, or if Wednesday night was one of those nights where he kind of got it going a little bit, especially if Klingon is back. So I'm not worried about Tristan. He's got to start making those shots. He knows he's got to start making those shots. He went through a bit of a dip at the start of Big East play last year. Teams know what UConn wants to do. And now it's about the staff figuring out how to adjust to that to put these players in a position to win. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. And it's going to happen. Maybe it won't necessarily be this week or the week after, but it's going to happen. And I, I'm not concerned about it at all. Um, so let's talk about that Creighton matchup because I think that both of these teams are really, really similar in the sense that they are their perimeter defense is not great. It is boosted by the fact that they have an elite rim protector and and uh, elite paint protector and an elite five-man defensively in Donovan Klingon and Ryan Kalkbrenner. I think that both of these teams struggle when they are forced to be put in situations where their guards have to create on their own. Um, I would fully expect Creighton to try to switch everything one through four and take UConn out of what they want to run offensively. I don't know if UConn is necessarily going to do that same thing, um, but with Klingon back, I'm not that worried about it. Like if there's one team in the Big East where I'm not worried about the guards beating UConn's uh, perimeter players off the dribble and getting to the rim, it's probably Creighton's guards. Uh, Trey Alexander and and Tristan Newton are very similar in how they are big and they understand how to use leverage and change of direction and can use their size to their advantage hitting shots but neither of them are the kind of people that are going to sit there and it's just like one step straight line drive blow by you lay up there's nothing you can do about it that's just not their games um and like UConn Creighton runs a ton of really really good creative difficult to guard action to create open threes for the likes of Baylor Shireman and Stephen Ashworth and even a Mason Miller and an Isaac Trout gets in the mix sometimes Trey Alexander as well as a good shooter so um, 
the way that I view this, assuming Klingon is back and can give 20 good minutes and UConn is willing to go with that small ball lineup for five to eight minutes where you force Caravan and uh, Kalkbrenner to go toe-to-toe, especially in the minutes when Frederick King is out there. I would love to see UConn go small ball when Frederick King gets some minutes at the five, which will probably be four to five minutes or so tonight. Uh, I'm sorry, on Wednesday night. Um, assuming we get Klingon for 20, I think that this is a matchup where uh, UConn and Creighton are very, very similar. Their pieces do a lot of the same things. I would just bet on the fact that UConn has a little bit more talent. If you look up and down the lineups, I think uh, Tristan Newton, when he's at his best, is better than Trey Alexander, but I think overall that is probably a push. I take Cam Spencer over Stephen Ashworth. Um, I think Alex Caravan, I would take him over Mason Miller without all that much of a, a conversation. Um, Steph Castle and Bear Shireman is an interesting one. I think Steph Castle, when he's playing his best, is right up there with Shireman. I probably would tend to lean Shireman in that situation, but um, I think Castle is the guy that can you can put on Shireman and, and, and trust that he's going to slow him down. And then Klingon and Kalkbrenner is a push. So you get a push at the five, a push at the one. Kalkbrenner, uh, uh, Caravan is probably a... a Matchup advantage. Um, Cam Spencer is a matchup advantage, and you got another maybe slight edge to Creighton at the three spot. So I think it's a good – that is a good advantageous matchup for UConn, and it's a game where they probably will be favored. I think they would uh, rightfully be favored, and um, my guess is that I think that they uh, they they would feel um, frustrated if they were not to win that game on uh, Wednesday night. And I think the same kind of goes for Villanova on Saturday. I, I – Villanova doesn't make much sense to me. I'm really not into what this team does or how they play. Um, everything for them defensively is about switching. They try to switch one through five. I don't know if they necessarily have the defenders to make it work. They got lit up last night, uh, well, yesterday afternoon by Marquette, uh, who was in all kinds of uh, of a bad rhythm and a bad funk. Um, so I'm not all the way in on Villanova at all. I think it was nice that they were able to get some wins, but I think this is something where – UConn probably should win. All that said, what they have in a five-minute Eric Dixon is a guy that can pull Klingon away from the basket and make it difficult for UConn's defense to work because you're not going to have that rim protector uh, standing in front of the rim, um, eliminating the ability for for teams to get to the bucket. Uh, I think that we saw in the win that Villanova had at Creighton that they can beat a team that is built the way that UConn is built. Um, so it'll be a difficult matchup, but I, I will say this, uh, Villanova really, really struggled defensively against Marquette, especially in ball screen actions. And with the way that UConn can run offense to create, uh, DHOs and create pin downs and create curls and create what is effectively a ball screen action without just having to line up the, the guy setting a high ball screen, um, is something where I think. Villanova will have a lot of trouble guarding that. So I I, I would not be that worried about it. I, I think UConn should go 2-0 here. But the most important thing about this stretch is that um, it's going to be so – prob- assuming that Donovan Klingon doesn't get hurt again this season, which might be a big assumption. But I think this is the, the two games that you have to get through where you won't have Klingon back to 100%. After Villanova, there's eight days between that and the next game. That is when you will see the big fella find a way to get up to speed and find a way to get into shape and find a way to get his legs under him. Um, it might be difficult these next two games, which would be a problem against Cal Brenner and against Eric Dixon, who are, uh, you can make an argument, the two best big guys in the Big East, but we'll see. So um, I think UConn 
will be favored in both of them. They should be favored in both of those games. Uh, and I would, uh, I think the staff will go into this expecting to be able to come out of it two and zero, sitting at seven and one in league play, and uh, potentially all alone in first place in the conference. Which uh, brings us to just a quick rundown. Let's let's kind of roll through what the top of the Big East looks like right now. So UConn and Seton Hall are both sitting at five and one. Creighton, Villanova, and St. John's are four and two, while Marquette is three and three. Xavier um, is going to beat some people they're not supposed to beat, but the bottom line is that they don't have uh, their two best big guys, so um, it is what it is. Providence has kind of fallen off a cliff without Bryce Hopkins, which is a shame, but um, they just they can't really score without him, and they're they're running into all kinds of problems trying to create offense and create good looks uh, when their best offensive weapon is not available. Butler is. I mean, I still think that they're good enough to be a tournament team. They got to start stacking up some wins here, but I think they're good enough to be a tournament team. We'll see what they can do at Xavier on Tuesday night. Um, and then Georgetown to the Paul or Georgetown to the Paul. But I would say that right now, UConn probably is the clear favorite over at BetMGM. They are minus 120 to win the league regular season title. Uh, and the next closest um, in those uh, in those odds are Creighton at plus 400. So that could change on um on Wednesday night, but if UConn wins, they will move two games in front of Creighton um, in the uh, in in the Big East standings. And I also think it's worth noting that while um, Seton Hall has a win over UConn at home, a win at Providence, and a win over Marquette at home, this is what their next four games look like: St. John's at home, Creighton at home, Providence at home, Marquette away. Uh, I, I think that you probably see them lose maybe one or two of those. Um, we'll see what happens on Wednesday, uh, on Tuesday night tonight against St. John's. That'll be a tough, difficult uh, city matchup for those guys. But, um, I mean, Seton Hall is tough. Kadari Richmond is in the conversation right now for Big East Player of the Year. He has been absolutely unbelievable. Um, and I think the, I think Seton Hall is real. Like, I don't think that this is necessarily a fluke. You can get him at plus 5,000 right now to win the Big East regular season title. And that's probably worth a flyer, 50 to 1. If you bet 10 bucks on it. Um, you're going to win $500 if they win the Big East regular season title. And I just think that those odds are are way, way, way too high at this point. I don't know what MGM is trying to do. I, I still think UConn finds a way to get it done, but I, I'm buying Seton Hall as real. I'm buying them as a tournament team. I'm buying them as a threat to be able to compete for this league title. I think it's more likely that they probably end up top four than winning it. But 50 to one odds when you're in first place with, with a third of the way through the season, it just... I think that's worth uh, taking a flyer on. So uh, I'm still in on Marquette being able to to make some noise in the conference. Um, I just, without Sean Jones, with the limitations on Chase Ross um, right now with the injury, and without having Omax Prosper, I, I just, too much is getting thrust on Tyler Kolek, Ham Jones, and also Iguodaro. Like they need those three dudes to be absolute studs every night. Otherwise, they're going to have a very difficult time winning. And that is a lot of pressure to put on those guys. But we know how good each of them are. And when they play their best and you get something out of David Joplin and you get some kind of defensive pressure out of Stevie Mitchell and, you know, Ben Gold or the, the, uh, the, the two freshmen, I'm blanking on their names, um, they come off the bench and make a couple shots. Like, the threat's there. I get it. I see it. Marquette is a dangerous team. I'm just, you know, a little bit down on what they were in the preseason. Then, you know, obviously missing two guys is, is a big difference maker. And Creighton, uh, I just, I think Creighton is a very good, but 
flawed team where the matchups are a little bit exploitable in the same way that the matchups are a little bit exploitable with UConn. I just think that UConn has a little bit of uh, higher upper level talent than Creighton does. So I'm a little less worried about that than I am with Creighton. But to me, both of those teams are the same. Um, and I would I would be shocked if Creighton did not finish top four in the conference. I just think that they're that good. But the sleeper one to me that, that no one is really talking about enough is probably St. John's. And uh, with R.J. Lewis back, like he's just such a disruptor defensively. These guards are bought all the way in. Um, a, a bunch of guys that had reputations for being selfish, shoot-first scores at, uh, at, at their previous stops have kind of figured out what Rick Pitino was looking for defensively. Um, they continue to get better. They continue to win games. And I, I just, I don't think that it's a fluke at all. I think that this St. John's team is going to be really, really good. They're going to be in the mix for the rest of the year. And as he continues to stockpile, stockpile talent in Queens, that's going to be, I think that there's a real world where next season and the season after we are looking at UConn and St. John's as, as the two teams that are competing for the big East title each and every year, which is a wild thing to think. And, um, and the coaching pedigree in this conference just keeps going up, man. Like I, I, I love what this league is right now. I love how, how, how tough it is. I love how competitive it is. I love that there is now this budding rivalry and level of hatred between Rick Pitino and Dan Hurley. I think my favorite thing about that is that Richard Pitino, Rick's son, and Kamani Young, who is obviously UConn's associate head coach, are like best friends. You know, they coach for a long time together at a, at a couple of different stops, most uh, most notably Minnesota. And the fact that they're like kind of in the middle of this, we talked with Richard about it on, uh, on Field of 68 After Dark, um, last week, and he, he's just like, yeah, I love pushing their buttons. I love getting them riled up. I love kind of being in the middle of it because it's just, it's fun, man. It's good for the sport. You know, when you have two of the two of the biggest names and most polarizing head coaches unafraid to go back and forth at each other, especially in a public setting, and it, it, it's in a league where rivalries run rampant. It's in a league where you have a lot of... uh shall we say, emotional people in the two fan bases. Look, if you say whatever you want about fans up and down the eastern seaboard and the northeast corridor, but uh, but we are intense. We are passionate about everything in life, not just sports. And to see them kind of go back and forth is, is fun. I think it's what the league needs. Uh, it's never a bad thing to have rivalries go crazy. And having Rick Pitino and Dan Hurley hate each other is not going to be the worst thing in the world for the attention and for the eyeballs and for uh, for this conference as a whole. So I'm in it. I'm in it for the long haul. I think it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see this season play out. And, you know, it's UConn basketball is back. Number one in the country again for the first time since 2009. It's wild. It's crazy. I think I saw a stat that this is the first time UConn has ever been ranked number one as a defending champion uh, during the season. They were the preseason number one in 2000 after the 1999 title, and obviously that fell away. But uh, it's the first time after games have been played that they've been the number one team in the country as defending champions. So it's a fun time to be a UConn fan. We'll see if it's still going to be fun after Wednesday's matchup with Creighton. So let's get that second one. You know, I, I would not hate to see a second win against the Blue Jays. Listen, if you're if you're still here, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, do all of those things that make me happy as a podcaster, and we'll see you guys again uh, probably either Wednesday night or early 